And a good afternoon. Welcome to a greatly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. This program starts following the 12 noon news package and is designed to provide you with the latest farm market news and information Monday through Friday. Today, CN Rail reports record grain movement in the month of April. We talk to a farmer at Newdorf, today's 620 CKRM Country Cookout winner. His seeding progress and impact of COVID-19 on the farm. And a comprehensive look at rising cattle prices this past week. The farm weather remains in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. Back in a moment. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by the Candiac Auction Mart. To consign your cattle, call them today at 424-2967. CN Rail set a new record last month for grain shipments. Executive Vice President Sean Finn says CN Rail moved over 2.7 million tons of grain in April, exceeding its previous April record. Jim, uh, you know, it's been a very busy month uh, in the prairies when it comes to moving grain, uh, even even with the difficulties and challenges around the uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Uh, we ended up having a very good month of, uh, of April, and, uh, you know, we moved 2.73 million metric tons of grain, which is just above uh, the previous April record of 2.72. So a new record for the month of April, coming off a strong first quarter. I must say we had a very strong you know, quarter uh, in this crop year, year over year, uh, moving 6.59 million metric tons. So the grain's out there to be moved, and I must say uh, our uh, our crews, uh, our locomotives, uh, you know, our, our grain cars and our capacity is there, so I think we're stepping up. And uh, as you often know, the supply chain's a big player, so it's not just the railways. We need to have the ports, uh, the unloading, and the grain elevators all, all moving at full tilt to do this. So I want to thank all our supply chain partners as well as our customers for helping us move this record amount of grain during the month of April 2020. How is movement so far this crop year? Because I know there were some there were some problems what with the blockades and everything. Yeah, but it was, you know, essentially we're almost at the same level as last year. Uh, you know, this year we've moved 20.7 million metric tons. Last year at the same time it was 21.55, so a bit less, but not nothing material. Uh, we're seeing both the, the spotting and the loadings uh, remain strong as we get into the month of May. So you know, we expect to be we're well positioned and well poised with the right term moving forward to move the rest of the crop uh, of this crop year. So you know, our employees are really focused on in Western Canada on moving this grain because that's the commodity that must move this time of year. Uh, farmers want to get it off uh, off their hands uh, before they start seeding next year's crop. And, uh, and I must say our employees, uh, conductors and engineers in those cabs who have to work in a safe and healthy environment have really focused uh, with all our people to get this grain moving to market for the benefit of uh, Western Canadian ag industry and the farmers specifically. I understand other product movement is down, so that's helped you focus more on grain? Yeah, I would say, you know, you can imagine the crude is down. That's a big component in the overall movement of what we move, but because of the pricing, not because of capacity issue, it's down. You know, I think that you'd be surprised coal is still strong, but also, you know, local domestic intermodal containers moving, you know, things that we see in our grocery stores, you know, fruits and vegetables and, and tissue paper, hand sanitizer. So the domestic movement of containers remains strong. And, you know, those come to a terminal and then by truck into our, our local grocery stores and, and pharmacies, drugstores. So it's important that's there. So you know the railway is still busy. We're going to probably see a, you know a bit of a weaker month of uh, May when it comes to carloads. But uh, to your point, it allows us to really focus on the grain and move it uh, as much as we can, as quickly as we can, to market. 
How does grain movement look for the rest of the spring and summer and into the fall harvest movement? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I've told you before that, you know, the fact that we have the right number of employees right now, we have some who have been furloughed available to come back if and when we need them. Uh, we got locomotives, uh, you know, because we purchased quite a few new ones in the last two years, so we have power, locomotive power. And we continue to invest in our track in Western Canada. We had two strong years of capital to, you know, doubling some of our longer sidings, uh, almost double track in some of our pinch points in Western Canada. And we'll continue to do some more of that this summer. It's a good time to do, uh, you know, upgrades in our track because there's a bit less traffic out there. Uh, so, you know, we try and maximize the fact by this, this a bit slower traffic time to do the capital improvements we must do to make sure that, you know, our uh, railway is resilient going forward. We've handled, you know, 51% of all grain shipments uh, uh, in Western Canada in the first quarter, and our market share for March is 52%. So we're seeing an uptick in our market share, and that's due to, to the hard work of our employees, but also the fact we have locomotives, track capacity, uh, the cars to be able to move this product as it comes to us. So I think it just shows that uh, having invested the last couple of years has built resilience, which will be beneficial for the next crop year, uh, Jim, but also for many years to come. Sean Finn is the Executive Vice President of CN Rail. Back in a moment. Calissa and Jared Wirth are today's winners in the 620 CKRM Spring Seeding Country Cookout Contest. They farm 11,000 acres near Newdorf, about 135 kilometers northeast of Regina. Jared Wirth says his seeding is approaching one quarter complete. We are currently about uh, 20% done, so we're kind of Getting going, just started getting going here, uh, third on wheat, and we'll be uh, going into canola here shortly. How's the soil moisture up near Newdorf? Good so far, yeah. It's uh, a lot better than last year, that's for sure. Did you finish harvest last fall or this spring? Uh, we finished this spring. We left out about uh, 1,800 acres of canola, and it all came off in good condition. So that's a lot of canola, though, to leave off, and it's it's all fairly good. You'll be able to market it quite readily? Yep, yeah, we shouldn't have a problem with with marketing. Yeah, how do prices look this spring? Well, not very good. <laughs> what are you seeding this year? Uh, we'll be seeding uh, yellow peas, wheat, and canola. Jared, what impact has the COVID-19 had on your farm operation this spring? Uh, everyday operations really, I don't think, has changed that much. But as for uh, things as parts availability and even uh, some labor Stuff like that has, has affected us, but overall, the, the everyday operations really hasn't changed too much. Jared and Calissa Worth of Newdorf are today's winners in the 620 CKRM Spring Seeding Country Cookout Contest with a big meal from Peg's Kitchen and other treats. Back in a moment. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your Real Agriculture Update brought to you by the Mind Your Farm Business podcast. Stay on top of farm management issues year-round at mindyourfarmbusiness.com. Hi, I'm Sean Haney of realagriculture.com. Recently, beef producers have expressed a lot of concern on the separation between the price that they are paid for their cattle versus the box beef price during COVID-19. Recently, I talked to Dr. Jason Lusk of Purdue University to get an explanation for this separation. Yeah, I think that's a fairly straightforward economic explanation. Maybe before I get into the explanation, though, you know, let me say that I don't think there's any doubt that livestock producers are, are worse off. So um, I think that's, you know, one of the frustrating parts of all this is there's a lot of economic harm at the moment among livestock producers. So, you know, regardless of whatever my economic explanation is, it's not, it's not going to feel good <laughs> you know, either yeah. way. But wh- why does this happen? I mean, I think 
I think it's a textbook example case of what happens if there's a disruption in the processing sector. So uh, processors, because their workers aren't showing up, they have COVID-19 cases. So, you know, many plants have had to shut down. What happens to the basic economics? Well, they can't buy as many animals. They don't. They can't run as many animals through the plant. So their demand for livestock falls. At the same time, they're not producing as much meat. Uh, so their supply of meat to the wholesale and retail market is has fallen. Less meat on the market means there's less available for consumers and grocery stores to have. So they're competing against each other as consumers were bidding up that price of wholesale meat. Now, end of January, box beef is like 213, 210. Uh, last week, were we like 460? Uh, I yeah. think. I don't know where we are this week. But we're kind of going to find out here what the price elasticity of demand is for beef or not. <laughs> uh, we sure are. Actually, I did a little back of the envelope calculation yesterday. And if we reduce processing capacity by like 40%. We're actually, we've, we've made some improvements since then, but as of last week, uh, and you look at the changes in prices, I, th I think it gives you a demand at elasticity of something like minus 0 0.5, <laughs> minus 0 0.4 or 5, yeah. So it's still pretty inelastic, but you were, we're pushing. We're pushing on it, and we're going to see you know uh, how high it goes, but it's pretty remarkable to see what's happened to that wholesale price. Yeah, and, and all this in the face of a time where people are trying to make comparisons to like you know an economic situation that's comparable to like the Great Risk, you know, Depression, and it, that's that doesn't sound even though that's true, that doesn't sound very conducive to strong meat demand, especially for beef because it is the most expensive protein. Yeah, and and it's a good point you raise. And in fact, if you look at you know, we focus on that aggregate, say, box beef number. But if you actually focus on different cuts, you see very different price movements across those cuts. And, and the ones that have experienced the biggest gains are the the rounds, the chucks, those things that we can buy a little more affordably, convert into ground that's, you know, a little more easily, you know, seems like more consumers know what to do with that at home. Uh, so we, you know, it is important to recognize there are some of those key differences in there. But, you know, I, I think it's surprising, too. You know, I, I put together some data on you know these demand indices trying to separate out what's happening from supply versus demand because um, my sense had been that overall demand had probably shrunk because of the shutdown or the you know really strong slowdown of food away from home sales uh, and that was true on the pork side that aggregate demand has fallen over the last couple of months but on the beef side it actually looked like there was some demand improvement which you know is is surprising because uh Incomes are being hit and people are out of work, but for whatever reason, <laughs> they're they're uh, they're wanting beef right now. We, right now, we're covering extensively this rise in box beef prices, but I have to think is 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 we get to a situation where more packers are coming back online and we're that like you said that trend is now beginning. Mm -hmm. What goes up must come down. I'm I'm really wondering if we don't see a very very sharp snapback of that box beef price, just like we saw it shot up. I can see a shooting down. What do you think? Yeah, I 100% agree, uh, Sean. In fact, even before this latest run up, so we had that kind of spell in mid to late March when we shut down uh, restaurants. There's a big run on grocery store sales, and then we kind of got it. There was a big rise actually in box beef prices in, and then there was a big fall off right after that. You know, now we've moved in this April period where there's this huge run up in box beef prices, and you know, you know, we it, just, it all depends on how much processing capacity I think we bring back online, and it's not impossible to imagine, particularly given those recessionary concerns we already mentioned, that we we might not have a, a significant drop off here in the near future. 
This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. Whether you're out in the barns or working in the fields, you can stay on top of farm management issues with the Mind Your Farm Business Podcast. We talk about human resources. We can attract the right candidates and that doesn't have to come at a high cost. We cover succession planning. It doesn't matter if the next generation is ready if the senior generation isn't. We talk about financial management. Number one, profits is your kingdom. Number two, cash is king. You can find all episodes of the Mind Your Farm Business podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or mindyourfarmbusiness.com. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Raymore, Yorkton, and Watrous, New Holland. Get ready for seeding with New Holland equipment from Raymore, Yorkton, and Watrous, New Holland. And brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devon at 352-1866. The 620 CKRM farm weather forecast, cloudy sky, high 11 degrees. 40% chance of showers this evening and after midnight. Clearing, though, before morning. The low, plus 3. Tomorrow, sunny with a high 19. The low, 3, plus 3. Friday, sunny, the high 18 degrees. The low, plus 4. Saturday, sunny with a high 21. The low, 8. Sunday, sunny sky. The high 24. The low, 11. Monday, partly cloudy. The high 27. The low, 10. Tuesday, partly cloudy. The high 22. Normal high is 19, the normal low plus 4. The sun rose at 5.13 this morning. It sets at 8.37 tonight. And on the roundup, the hot spot is up north. Buffalo Narrows at 16 degrees. The cold spot even further north. Uranium City at minus 2. On the roundup, Estevan is 8. Saskatoon 12. Swift Current and Weyburn both 7 degrees. Yorkton is 5. In Regina, with cloudy skies, it's 7. That's 45 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the east at 9. Humidity is 75%. The barometer dropping 100.8. Cloudy in Moose Jaw, 7 degrees. Winds are from the north-northwest at 2. Once again, Regina, cloudy in 7. That's 45 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com And Sask Municipal Hail Insurance. SMHI, operated by farmers for farmers. Online or connect with an agent. Storms are unpredictable. SMHI isn't. SMHI.ca The Canola Council of Canada has produced a program to help farmers with spring seeding. Jay Wetter with the Canola Council of Canada says achieving consistency depth is today's topic. My name is Jay Wetter and with me today are Sean Sanko, Canola Council of Canada Agronomy Specialist, and Rob McDonald, Manager of BASF's Agronomic Excellence Group. Sean Sanko says you want canola seed deep enough to be into moist soil, but it's a small seed with not a lot of energy, so it can't be too deep. At least half an inch, but not much more than one inch is the ideal. Rob McDonald says uniform seeding depth will help the crop come up like a picket fence. Canola is susceptible to shading from other plants, so plants coming up later than others are behind in more ways than just calendar date. The following discussion will provide a few key tips to improve seeding tool performance. Rob starts us off explaining the importance of leveling the drill and describes the most important step. First thing to do is read your manual on the setup of your uh, of your drill especially the part about frame leveling uh front 
to rear leveling of the drill can be super critical. You can get dramatic differences front to rear on your seed depth if your frame isn't level. Sean explains how worn wing hinges can cause openers on the wings to be lower than the openers in the middle of the drill. I've seen in the past a lot of times turnbuckles are, are rusted um, solid and all sorts of things you don't want to be messing around in the field. So that first setup in the yard is, is really important. After that, you know, start looking at things like packer bearings, bushings on the bearings, um, all sorts of things that can, can impact that um, consistency of depth across the field. Um, you know, tires, tire pressure, tire condition. It could easily mean half an inch to a, an inch difference in depth in the field. You can see just how much a tire squashes when the, when the pressure is lower on it. So you want to make sure you're starting out with um, even tire pressure. If you go through all the work of leveling a drill, then check your tires after. Um, all that work can be for nothing. There's a number of drills out there with uh, pneumatic and semi-pneumatic uh, packing wheels as well. And it's another thing to, another watch out is checking tire pressure on those as well. Another thing that is often overlooked are the uh, scrapers on the packing wheels. You got to remember, as that packing wheel is building up mud on it, it's raising the shank out of the ground. So it's a, just another wear item that needs to be uh, monitored. And then Sean and Rob talk about openers and opener wear and the influence on seating tool depth. There's good hard carbide openers that last a long time now, but um, you know things like rock damage or um, running behind wheel tracks. Um, you can definitely have some openers wear faster than others and um, that can change the depth pretty fast as well as if you're double shooting um, just seed placement. I've seen you know a lot of times worn openers not get that proper separation and you're, you're either putting the, the seed and fertilizer together or the seed ends up in the fertilizer trench and you know maybe an inch deeper or so and um, that seed's not going to come out of the ground. Uh, another watch out on these openers is we've got a lot of systems out there that are using hydraulic pressure, controlling, uh, you know, uh, uh, shank pressure and really got to inspect carefully for leaks and weep and seals because you start losing pressure on individual shanks across the, uh, the system or on the overall system and that can impact your uh, control of your seating depth as well. Then once you have everything right in the yard, you want to check again regularly in the field. You want to be checking on every field and, and hopefully multiple times in a in a field as conditions change just to see. And When we're checking seed and depth, we're not checking one row or one shank. We've got to choose which rows we're, uh, we're checking. And, and I think that's vitally important is to make sure that we're checking uh, rows that are associated with, say, on a three-rank machine with the front, the middle, and the, and the rear rank. That's a wrap on this edition of the Canola Watch radio show. For more canola agronomy tips, visit canolawatch.org. Canola Watch is a research-based agronomy service from the Canola Council of Canada in cooperation with the Provincial Canola Grower Associations, SAS Canola, Alberta Canola, and Manitoba Canola Growers. Jay Wetter is with the Canola Council of Canada. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And by YAC Auctions, the first name you should think of in the auction business. Call 782-5999. Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices were showing mostly upward movement this past week. Provincial cattle specialist Leah Clark says feeder steers increased on average by $2.89 per hundredweight over the past week. So Saskatchewan feeder steer prices were mostly improved this week with the exception of the 400 to 500 pound feeder steer category, which was lower by $3.54 per hundredweight. 
All the other weight categories realized increases ranging from $5.80 per hundredweight in the 600 to 700 pound category to $1.44 in the over 900 pound feeder steers. On average, Saskatchewan feeder steer prices increased by $2.89 per hundredweight. Saskatchewan feed heifer prices experienced an average increase of $1.27 per hundredweight for the wheat, with the lighter cattle reporting lower values and heifers over 500 pounds registering increases in values. The prices for three to 400 pound heifers increased $6.30 per hundredweight, while the prices price increased $5.80 per hundredweight for the 800 pound heifer categories. And what were the factors behind these price changes? So factors affecting markets this week are much the same as the previous weeks. We're still seeing a little bit of volatility, but essentially the bottleneck at the slaughter plants are really what is affecting all the markets right now here in Western Canada. And what were marketings? Campfax reported that a total of 9,771 head of cattle were sold in Saskatchewan over the week, up from 9,445 head the previous week. This is more, or this is up from last year at the same time of 7,735 head marketed. What happened with market-ready cattle prices? Prices of live non-tag cattle in Alberta increased compared to the previous week on limited volume. The price of D2 slaughter cows increased $4.07 per hundredweight to average $71.67 per hundredweight. Price of D3 slaughter cows increased $2.39 per hundredweight from the previous week to average $60.70 per hundredweight. The price of live steers in Alberta was not available again this week to report just because of low numbers going through. So what U.S. factors, if any, are influencing the market? We're really seeing um, some good news from the slaughter plants that they're starting to increase capacity and get that capacity up and running. So I think that's really influencing our increase in prices here. Also, some of the cows are going south from Saskatchewan, so that's really setting our floor price for cows right now, which is a good news story. Leah Clark compiles the weekly cattle price summary for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hall is Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And brought to you by Nelson GM, Assiniboia, and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Grain prices were showing downward movement in early trading today. Viterra's prices for oats fell $1.85 at 239.19. Number one red spring wheat went down 531 at 22261. The rest all unchanged. Durham 26639. Feed barley 18871. Flax $629.79. Lentils $638.50 per metric ton. Yellow peas 285.89 and feed wheat 182.70. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange this morning, July spring wheat fell 8 cents at 5.13 a bushel. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Assiniboia and Weyburn Livestock Auctions. Call Assiniboia 642-4180 or Weyburn 842-4574. And brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integritire in Grenfell, your locally owned Integritire dealers. Now, the latest Livestock Quotations. Hello, Calum. Junior for Heartland Livestock Services, Yorkton, with your market report for the week of May 13th. 
With the letter running offer here today with 1,090 in the pre-cert and 120 cows and bulls on offer. Well, folks, I think the industry is slowly starting to bounce back from the COVID-19 pandemic, with the cattle prices starting to slowly come back. Here are a few results from today's sale. Buckskin steers, 660 pounds at 214.75, 721 pounds at $2.75, 786 pounds at a buck 85.75. Buckskin steers at 867 pounds at $1.79.50. On the block steers, 563 pounds at 228.50, 641 pounds at 210.50. We had a good producer from North of Yorkton here bringing some cattle. 15 one owner red and black steers, 758 pounds at a buck 85.75. And they're 48 of their big brothers at 861 pounds at a buck 76.50. On the red X steers, 697 pounds at two bucks. 865 pounds at a buck 74 and a quarter. And their big brothers at 959 pounds at a buck 59 and a quarter. On the heifer side, black heifers, 642 pounds at a buck 84.50. 695 pound black heifers at a buck 74. On the replacement block heifers, 740 pounds at a buck 65, 832 pound replacement heifers at a buck 54, and a good solid set of red replacement heifers at 816 pounds at a buck 62.50. On the bull and cow trade this week, our cows average 80 cents with a high of 90. The bulls average a buck 26 with a high of a dollar 34. Well, producers, next week is a regular sale due to the Victoria Day long weekend. There will be a sheep and goat sale on Friday, May 22nd. There will be no horse sale that day. I repeat, no horse sale. The following week, May 27th, will be a pre-sort sale. All producers, on Friday, June 5th, we will be having a special cow-calf pair sale. Please call in early with your consignments and any questions you may have. Once again, this has been Junior for Heartland York. Stay safe, healthy, and have a great day. Now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Ham sold 6,900 hogs Tuesday, selling in a range of 172 to 203 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 5,300 head, selling in a range of 177 to 210 per CKG. Ham's number one sows this week are selling in the range of 21 to 27 cents per pound live weight. Ham's cash hog price today is up and four contract prices opened lower this morning. On Tuesday, the Canadian dollar is down two basis points with the daily exchange rate at 1.4015. Coming up, the Resource Report. Now the Resource Report. BHP has made a donation of over $100,000 to Saskatchewan food banks in support of COVID-19 relief efforts. $50,000 will go to food banks across the province, $32,000 to the Saskatoon Food Bank, $10,000 to the Humboldt Food Bank, and $5,000 each to the Winyard and Lanigan Food Banks. BHP President of Potash, Giles Ellier, says the company is committed to helping local communities where workers support the Janssen Project. BHP is based in Australia and is among the world's top producers of iron ore, coal, copper and petroleum. The company's Janssen Potash Project in Saskatchewan provides an entry into this new commodity. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebeau says 11,000 temporary foreign workers entered Canada in April compared to 13,000 in April last year. She says the federal government is making an effort to ensure the farm sector, particularly the horticulture industry, has a good workforce. The top three countries of origin for foreign farm workers are Mexico, Jamaica and Guatemala. Since the start of the year, nearly 22,000 agricultural workers have entered Canada compared to 25,000 at the end of April 2019. She adds efforts are under way to bolster the domestic labor force to resolve potential areas of shortages. 
On the markets, Canada's main stock index posted a triple-digit decline in late morning trading as losses in the heavyweight financial, industrial and energy sectors piled up. The TSX Composite Index was down 186 points at 14,694. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 309 points at 23,455. The Canadian dollar traded for 71.06 cents U.S. compared with an average of 71.35 cents on Tuesday. The July crude oil contract was down 29 cents at 26.04 a barrel. Stay tuned for the closing grain prices at 1.45 this afternoon and an Agri-News report at 3.45 p.m. Tomorrow morning, there's another Agri-News report at 6.45 a.m. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming.